Hello and welcome to Manageable Conversations, the podcast where we speak to leaders across industry sectors. In each episode, we'll discover what helped them in their career, how they stay sharp, and ways they get the best out of their teams. I'm Farley Thomas, the founder of Manageable. We hope this podcast inspires you to be a great leader by learning from others. I'm speaking to Richard Di Benedetto today. He's CEO of the International Division of Aetna, which is headquartered in the US. The firm provides health benefits to around 40 million people and is part of CVS Health, the fifth largest US company based on revenues. Being part of a firm of 300,000 people, I'm sure Richard has a lot of experience we can benefit from. Richard, thank you very much for joining this manageable conversation. What sorts of initiatives are you emphasizing as CEO across your international business? I think the underlying theme is let's create something together. It's around co-creation. Is We are here to build a new division, new offering, to execute on our strategy, and is that something that we have been building and co-creating together? So the first underlying theme is, you know, how do you co-create together? How do you build trust within the team? How do we hold each other accountable? Uh, how do we make progress? Yeah, progress is the key. It's not perfection. You know, perfection is not part of the world. You know, but progress is. So this this has the underlying theme. Yeah, and I think um, since the lockdown, because we have been building trust, I think it has helped us also to keep serving our customer in a very smooth way during all these most difficult months. I'm really interested in your sense of the role of leaders. Do they have a particular role to play in um, furthering this agenda of co-creation or uh, being agile? The team have really to be on the driving seat in each of their location, yeah, to build and to create and to co-create with their team and together. This is how it works. You cannot force people. You know, it has to be their own initiatives that they're coming with. And what you do is you give a frame, you give some processes and guidelines, you give some milestone, you agree some outcome. Of course, you provide the capital deployment, but this is their initiative on how this is declined in each of uh, the different geographies or offering. Given that you're part of such a huge organization, you have an unusual amount of data on the managers that get it and do a great job. What have you noticed about those managers either today or in your past that somehow kind of really do thrive? There's not one, uh, just one bullet. Yeah, there's not just one secret sauce here. I think they care first. They care for the customer, they care for the market, they care for their team first, yeah. And because they care and people know that they care, they get they get a high level of engagement. Less is better. They are laser, laser sharp focus. Yeah. They hammer one or two ideas and they believe in it and and they want to bring the ideas or the project home. Yeah. We have seen it through the pandemic. You know, the style of uh, command and control is, is dead. So 
when you talk about empowerment, what you have to do is to decide what is the outcome, what are the key milestones. And then you hold your team accountable to hit the milestone. Yeah? And of course, you recalibrate and, uh, on a regular basis, but they run and, and, they, and they deliver the milestone. And this is what the team really appreciates. Yeah? This point about caring is worth unpacking. Richard's insights are supported by research carried out by Cisco across 15,000 of its teams worldwide. Their study revealed that the best teams had a very high level of quality contact between managers and team members on a one-to-one basis. They found that the most effective meetings were actually driven by the team member, not the manager. What really boosted engagement was the manager being responsive when team members set out what their priorities were and how the manager could help with those priorities. And so as Richard says, feeling like your manager cares really does boost well-being and productivity in the team. Where do you think, Richard, that these leadership and management skills that, that in effect you are talking about, where do these successful managers acquire them from? Um, so I think uh, learning every day, they should be on each and every, not even person, people agenda, the day you decide to stop learning, you will start dying. That's it. You go backwards on the slope. I had the privilege to take a coach. I had the privilege to, uh, to attend other peer group, whether it's other, other business leader, other CEO. And we all struggle with the same. You know, how do I deploy my capital? How do I focus? How do I handle this conflict uh, within the company? How do I manage my board or my boss? You know, this customer, how do I enter a new market? So I think this constant learning is absolutely key, combined with the willingness to change. And I have changed along the years, you know, uh, much less. At, I was talking about command and control. So, uh, yes, I focus on tasks, but less than before. I just measure the milestone and the outcome, and I let people running on the task. Yeah, You develop other skills over time like getting a better listener, for example, uh, making sure that uh, people think about diversity, but they don't think about inclusion. So how do you combine diversity and inclusion so that everyone has a seat at the table, really? It's very good advice, Richard. You've also worked not only uh, with um, your current organization, which is vast, but also GE, uh, I believe, as well. So you've had a chance to be a leader, but also uh, operate with a lot of leaders. And I'm, and I'm curious, Richard, what tips do you have or what observations have you made about those that will get that job and those that will forever want it, but perhaps not make the grade? To be a CEO, a chief commercial officer, a great chief people officer, name it, you must have, have some tips. Tips in not all the subjects, but you need to have in one or two subjects being capable to really go deep because you know how to ask the right questions. And, and, and the ones that are successful, they are capable because of the depth of experience to put their finger and ask the right questions very fast and to go to the heart of the problem. These people put, take personal risk. They put their personal brand behind their very focused agenda. 
and and they take other type of personal risk you know whether it is doing cross-functional move moving geographies putting big bets on the on the plate this is why you see these leaders you know really uh, thriving like you like you said Farley. Richard makes a really important point here on depth. There are two extremes that we should avoid. One is to go too deep. Knowledge is a bottomless pit, after all. And at some point, you have to start forming your own views and opinions and be a source all on your own. The other extreme is people who don't know much and think they're experts, which is the Dunning-Kruger effect, where those who know only a little somehow think they're experts, ignorant of all they don't know. So finding this balance between the two extremes is important for all of us. What is your reflection, you know, if you're in a, in a huge organisation, how do you find that time when there is so much going on constantly, busy managers, busy leaders in uh, busy organisations? How do they create that bandwidth or space? I've been struggling myself uh, for several years with that dilemma, you know, and, and still today I'm not perfect and I'm still uh, uh, trying to adapt. Yeah. Um, so first is what I'm trying to do is what I am telling my team is don't fight everything because sometimes managers in big company or leaders have a tendency trying to fight internally everything. It's a lost battle. You are going to spend so much energy with zero outcome. So no where really you want to spend your time and your energy. And once you, you understand how the company operates, they just find you space about where you think you are going to add value or what is for you really important where you want to contribute. Oh, yeah. What do you want to voice? What do you want to own? Maybe certain things you just need to be informed and that's good enough. Let it go. You are going to spend so much time and energy. Just let it go. Being informed is enough. What counts is that you make improvements. So you boil it down to one, two or three actions and you go and you make progress on these actions. And the next year, or you keep the same or you remove one and you add another one. But then the team see, okay, there's something moving. There's progress here. And because, because people and the team see that you are making progress, you just mechanically increase the engagement because they said we are listening to us and we're taking some actions okay and I never promise things that I cannot deliver at least I try to and I said this is what we're going to do here's the next steps and moving so just really choose your bottle make it very very crisp very short where you can make a difference eh? it's very clear Richard and I think this is the, the massive challenge and opportunity in um, complex and large organizations where, you know, on any one day, you could really get behind lots of different things and not make enough progress with any one so that people notice and you become known for someone who gets some stuff done rather than just starting fires constantly. Now, Richard, I can't resist uh, asking a question around health because, of course, you know, that's that's what you're your organization is all about. Now, leadership seems to conjure up busyness and not having enough time for all sorts of things that might create a more balanced life. What's your experience of the role of health and wellness, fitness in 
work performance. Healthy people are more happy people and happy people are more productive people. So we put a lot of focus on, yes, health and wellness for our people, for our team, but also for our member. Yeah, and we have been extending it, uh, of course, through the pandemic, particularly on a lot of mental health and stress management. I've been very bad in that because I've been trapped also as a young manager for years in all this turmoil, like you said, meetings, travel, emails, yeah, and I've been neglecting my health. And since several years now, I have very strict habits of putting the health first, whether it is the gym, the run, the Pilates, you know, three times, four times a week. It's on the agenda. It's not deviating. You know, encourage every team to do the same. We do some internal competitions just to create some fun and excitement around health. And I think it's absolutely, it's absolutely critical. And I, and I make sure that uh, the team uh, has always enough space in their agenda, you know, to take care of their own health. Is there a sense that that has had an impact positively or negatively on performance? Because it strikes me that many people might want to, be, to, to find time for it, but worry that it would mean they don't make enough progress with work. I think that it has been the exact opposite. It's because physically but mentally you get in a so much better place or you don't get stressed about things that are not really important. What I've been finding, combining this with uh, the way I work that I described previously, is I it did free up massive amount of time on my agenda. So... Uh, it has been, in fact, it has been shown very productive, yeah. Well, that's a good endorsement of pivoting towards um, exercise and, and fitness as a performance booster, Richard. Absolutely. That, well, well, that feels like a very good place to, um, to draw a line, Richard. Uh, the CEO of a health company advocating the performance benefits of being healthy. Mm. Thank you very much for your time, Richard. It was a pleasure being with you today. Thank you, Farley. If you enjoyed this manageable conversation, there are many other perspectives we offer our community of managers worldwide who coach and individuals from all walks of life who benefit from being coached. That's all from me. I'm Farley Thomas. Until next time.